As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Do you need a good laugh or pick me up in the middle of the week? Are you looking for some uncommon sense, the right words at the right time? Are you at the end of your rope? Help has arrived! Grab that rope and listen to Tie a Knot and Hang On. Help has arrived with Camille Sanzone. Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Eastern on W4WN, the all-women radio station. To be humble, to be kind It is a giving of peace in your mind To a stranger, to a friend To give in such a way that has no end We are love, we are one We are how we treat each other don't look like they used to. They look like you do. TGIW, thank God it's Wednesday. This is Camille Sanzone with another episode of Tie a Knot and Hang On. Help has arrived. I broadcast live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And you can get an app for W4WN for your smartphone or tablet and listen to me on the go. And you can get an app for iHeartRadio where all my past shows can be found in their archives. You can catch up on shows you've missed. You can listen again to a favorite, share them with friends, pick any topic, listen any day of the week at any time you like. I'll be your radio beck and call girl and if you're a regular listener welcome back and thank you and if you have stumbled upon my show for the first time where you been (laughs) please stick around i think you'll be glad you did now as you know my intro song is always nothing more and sometimes it's more relevant to my topic than others but today is very relevant what does it say at the end at the end of the day we're nothing more than how we treat each other and my topic today is the respectful leader as discussed in the book, The Respectful Leader, Seven Ways to Influence Without Intimidation, by Greg Ward with Walter G. Meyer. And both of these gentlemen are my guests today. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Are you there, Greg? 
I am indeed. Thank you, you for are. having me. <laughs> nice to meet you. Walt and I have met on the radio before. He's been my guest talking about bullying and about 9-11 and about a gamer convention. But you're new to our show, so welcome, Greg. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Now, my show's theme, my mission is always to encourage people to find ever better ways of being in the world. And sometimes I do humorous shows because I, as a stand-up comic who's sort of funny sitting down too, (laughs) I always say lying down, I'm hysterical, but we won't go there. (laughs) But anyway, I like to bring humor in because I think we teach best. Of course, we teach best what we most need to learn, but we teach best when we're entertaining as well. And humor always brings that in. And what I love about your book in particular is that it's not didactic. You're not just lecturing and giving, you know, points, this, that, and the other. You tell this story, a, fa- a business fable, as you put it. Tell my, my listeners a little bit about the Greg. And I know, uh, tell me about your background. You've about 25 years at least doing all kinds of workshops in this area. Yes, I started as a trainer uh, for the New York City Police Department many, many years ago, and uh, which requires a lot of humor, believe it or not. I and, do. <laughs> and eventually started working uh, with major government agencies as well as corporations on the areas of leadership and respect and how we treat one another. And in one way, shape, or another, I've been doing that work for, wow, it's 25 years. And I've been really fortunate, been able to do it all over the world. And um, then recently, folks said to me, when's your next book coming out? And why don't you talk about respect or, quite frankly, the lack uh, of it Mm. that that we're finding in many organizations uh, these days more so than ever before? And that's actually borne out by some of the data, unfortunately. There is more disrespect going on in our workplaces than ever before. So I decided, you know what, it's writing, as you said, a didactic book uh, can be somewhat boring, and I don't think it really captures or entertains people. So I decided uh, I've been a storyteller my whole life. My dad was a journalist, and I also worked as a journalist, and I decided I wanted to tell a story that really resonated with people both as business leaders but also as human beings and parents of children. And so I put together this roughly short story about a leader, a fairly normal human being who finds himself uh, inundated in a new job with people who are behaving disrespectfully, including his own children. And uh, he, at first he tries to combat uh, disrespect by being even more disrespectful, and that doesn't work. That backfires. And then he meets someone who works in maintenance, uh, an older woman named Grace, uh, who says to him, you know, you might want to try a little respect sometime. You might get some in return. And backed into a corner, that's basically what he tries to do, and it starts to turn things around. That's basically the story. Yeah, I love the way it's done. Uh, at, at first, I thought, well, he might just blow her off. You know, who is this? You know, who is this person trying to tell me? And I think in part he did, but just just initially. And then it was as if, uh, I don't know, if he sensed in your story that she was sort of an angel stuck there, you know, <laughs> to give him uh, advice, to goad him along the way. And I love how it, it, she always seems to be there, hiding in the closet with her wrench, you know. <laughs> I love it. Overhearing. I almost expected you to say at the end, you know, wings appeared on her back, you know, which was sort of interesting. But, uh, you know, I know your story is about leadership in the workplace, but how can how can I not mention the lack of respect in this presidential campaign? Uh, I mean, tough one. It's tough to talk about the campaign without talking about that lack uh, of respect. And, and I actually, and Greg and I have talked about this, it seems to be permeating to other levels of our society. You know, teachers are reporting more disrespect from kids in classrooms. And people, once it's been condoned at the highest levels of our society that it's okay to be disrespectful, it really does seem to be trickle-down disrespect. 
Yeah, it's so true. I have talked on my show many times about my big Sicilian family and how I've been an observer since I was a young child of the, the, the dynamics and the relationships, especially the adult relationships. And I, I always had this thing, even when I was like 15, where my aunts would come to me and they would be complaining that, you know, their husband did this or this one did that. And witnessing them in, a, say, a holiday dinner or even just a Sunday dinner, they would talk to each other sometimes very very disrespectfully and if the wife got hurt you know the husband, oh I was only kidding and they, they always try to get it you know taken away from them any responsibility and it's sort of like Trump I mean his people when he said some he says a lot of <laughs> horrible things but they'll often say oh it was sarcastic you know he was being sarcastic when of course he was not being sarcastic and you're right I love the campaign ad that Hillary is running where it shows the children looking at the TV screen and hearing him say some of these things. And you're right, it trickles down. If that's okay and it's funny, and I have people in my family I love and otherwise respect who are voting for Trump, so we have kind of agreed to disagree. But I think they're taking it lightly, that he, he's entertaining. But the entertainment, as you say, stops when somebody really gets hurt. And it's one thing for me to, you know, Greg and I at this point, besides being colleagues, are friends. And if I make some, you know, comment about his sweater or whatever, he knows that that's meant in a spirit of fun. But when you make a blanket statement about all Mexicans or all Muslims, you can't possibly know every one of these people, know their sense of humor and know whether it's OK to say things like that. And, and that is the problem. And yes, that, that Clinton ad of the, the little girls being impacted by the horrible things Donald Trump has said about women in general, he doesn't know all of those women and doesn't know all of their issues. And it's extremely presumptive of him to think it's OK to say that. I know. I know. I happened to see something that was written on your timeline on Facebook. May I share it, Walter? Uh, I presume so. I don't put anything up there that I shouldn't be shared, I guess. <laughs> No, I promise you. Um, someone said to you in response to, I guess, something you had said about Donald Trump. Uh, they, she, I won't give the person's name, but she said Trump is a schmuck, but he is also giving voice, albeit inarticulate, to a set of concerns that we ignore at our peril. There's a deep-seated discontent with the status quo in our country. Clinton is the essence of the neoliberalism that created and or exacerbated these problems. And she went on to describe some of the problems and, and then said she didn't get why you don't get that. I loved your response, Walt. You said, I get what you're saying, but it's like you have a bad headache and nothing the usual doctors prescribe seems to be working. Well, sticking a power drill in your ear is not the solution. <laughs> I mean, I love that you said I get that people are desperate, but this cure has to be worse than whatever the disease is, and I really cannot fathom how anyone thinks he could fix what ails us. You know? the, the other thing that I, I find really frustrating is uh, a lot of Trump supporters say, "Well, we're tired of political correctness," and. Generally, what I have found is when people say that, what they really mean is they want to be able to say all the hurtful, bigoted, misogynist, and xenophobic things that used to be said with impunity, but now they can't say it anymore because the political correctness police tell them that they can't do it. Mm -hmm. Well, I say I call horse manure on that one. And I see nothing wrong with trying to treat people decently. There's nothing wrong with trying not to hurt someone's feelings. Uh, they say, oh, well, he's just being direct. Well, mm. calling women dogs? Yeah. Uh, seriously? I mean, come on. Let's not make excuses for someone who is openly misogynistic. Let's not... Let's not excuse that behavior because we're mad or we're upset or we're frustrated. That's that's baloney. That's immature. It doesn't work. It actually contributes to the overwhelming sense of disrespect and frustration that we all feel. Yeah. And what compounds it when he's confronted with that, he doesn't even hint at an apology no, he stands by it. But in the vice presidential camp, uh, debate last night, I mean, Pence didn't even re really address it. He ignored it. He denied it. He did what Trump does. If he really doesn't like it, he doesn't apologize. He simply says, I didn't say that. 
And so, he asked, he asked uh, for Hillary Clinton to issue an yes. apology for calling Trump supporters a, a basket full of deplorables. Yeah. Where, but she and, only and, said and half. And came right back and said, hey, when did Trump ever apologize for much right. worse pronouncements? Yeah, and, and one I of the know. things we covered in the Respectful Leader book is how to do a real apology. For, well, Trump won't even attempt an apology, but what really, you know, bugs me, and I know bugs Greg, is the non-apology apology. I'm sorry you were offended. Right. I'm not sorry I said those horrible things. I'm not sorry that, that you know, um, I'm just sorry that it blew up in my face and now it makes me look bad, and I'm sorry that you were offended, but I didn't see anything wrong with what I said. Right. And, like, and that yeah. almost makes things worse. Like a child who says, I'm sorry because they got caught. Yep. You know, period, and it's, it's sort of like that. I want to share one more thing, and then I want us to get into the meat of your book. Uh, a friend of mine, Maxine Lamar, has given me permission to share this. I just loved it, and it's an example of, you know, as again, as my intro song, Nothing More, uh, how we treat each other. You know, what we expect and what we throw out, and some of us are just so quick to be judgmental of other people, especially people we don't know. Uh, she wrote in, yesterday, she said, today while, while stopped at a traffic light, an SUV pulled up next to me. While waiting for the light to change, the driver signaled for attention. I opened the window to see about five or six young, crazy, punky-looking Latino Hispanic kids full of piercings everywhere and hair the colors of the rainbow. They really looked scary. The young woman pushed her head out of the window and said, You look cool. I love your glasses. To which I laughingly replied, I am cool. They all cheered loudly, and we went our separate ways, waving and smiling at each other. Later, when I came out of the supermarket loaded with supplies, three young black teenagers wearing low-hanging baggy pants walked past me, and one said, you're a skinny bitch. Well, I just burst out laughing. Then they also burst out laughing and started addressing me as ma'am, offering to carry my bags to my car, and I was very grateful. (laughs) The moral is, never judge people by their looks, dress, or race. I arrived home safely. Sweet kids. That's a great story. You know, and some people wrote on her timeline, oh, but you have to be careful, Maxine, you know. <laughs> and I understand that need to be careful. But, we, you know, you have to make a choice, don't you? How you live your life in fear and judgment or expecting good things from people. Right. And, and realistically, what's the worst that could happen? One of them would run off with one of the bags of groceries. But given the upside risk of having a genuine, kind human encounter, and those are too rare these days among strangers, I would opt for, you know, taking a little bit of a risk to have that that good human encounter. Absolutely. When I was younger, I know in high school, and if something happened and I got hurt because somebody betrayed me in some way, my mother would say, see, see, that's what you get for being so open and wearing your emotions on your sleeves. Be careful. And I'd say, but Mom, if if I close myself off to getting hurt, I'm going to close myself off to getting good stuff, too. Exactly. You know, so I I had an angel on my shoulder even then, I guess, (laughs) telling me about that. (laughs) But let's get into uh, the meat, fellas, of of your book. Uh, I don't know where you want to begin it exactly, but, I mean, I wrote some some notes down, but I don't don't want to read from your book or about your book. Um, I marked some things that you said. I mean, you mentioned that intimidation and micromanagement insecurity don't drive top-level performance. True success is built on free-flowing, trusted, and open collaboration. Now, do you want to go through some of the points? I know you've told the story, and again, I love that you did it that way. And people, just so you know, at certain parts during the story, at at the end of each chapter, then you, you summarized more or less and said the points that you made. Yeah, we call them the uh, the seven respectful do's, the practices of respectful leadership. And I think what I have found as as we've talked about these and led workshops and done keynote speeches, what people really resonate with is that most of what we suggest people do to behave like respectful leaders, we actually all learned in one way or another when we were children. For example, the second respectful do is called practice regular respect. And regular respect is really common courtesy, just saying good morning and how are you and being genuinely interested and smiling and shaking someone's hand appropriately. 
uh, making eye contact appropriately, and genuinely just being an open and friendly person, including to complete strangers. Even if you're the CEO of a giant corporation, it doesn't mean you can ignore people who are strangers walking down your hallway. There is nothing wrong with just saying, hi, how are you? What, what's the big deal? The, the other part of that is saying please and thank you. It is amazing how many managers don't say please and thank you. They just bark orders and they expect their orders to be followed. Well, what all the research shows is that roughly 90 to 95 percent of us do not like to be commanded and controlled by having our bosses bark orders at us. Instead, we like to be asked. We like to be acknowledged for saying yes. We like to be thanked when we actually do what we've been asked to do. People respond really well to that kind of stuff. And unfortunately, what we're finding today's leaders are just so overwhelmed and so busy that they revert to their old habits of barking orders and pissing people off. And we found that that's counterproductive and really hurts morale and productivity and teamwork. So that's why we recommend people do it. Yeah. I know. I, I think it was in the 80s that book came out, Winning Through Intimidation. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it was like, yeah. oh, my God. And it's it's so true. I mean – People, I know I've had lots of different bosses over the years, some better than others. And and the ones that really got work out of people were the ones who respected their employees, who thanked them. But the others would say, well, I don't have to thank them. That's what I pay them for. Right. They're only doing their job. What if I thank them? It's like they're doing me a favor. They're not doing me a favor. Well, at the end of the day, bosses who, who have that attitude will find that they'll have revolving door employees. Uh, people respond very well to acknowledgement. They'll even, if they feel respected and trusted by their boss and thanked and acknowledged, they will put up with a whole bunch of stuff just because people generally tend to leave their bosses, not their companies. So if you're the kind of boss who is consistently just barking orders and commanding and controlling, you're going to have revolving door employees. You're going to have complaints against you. And life is going to be very frustrating and difficult for you as a manager. Whereas if you start treating people with respect and basically engaging in the seven respectful do's, you're going to find people are going to respond really well to that and be very, very loyal and go the extra mile, especially when times get tough. And there's been studies that have shown people will stay at a job for less money if they are happy there and feeling appreciated and that often appreciation is more important than a raise in terms of what people expect. So I think, you know, that's one thing in terms of, you know, saving the company money or the bottom line or whatever is that it's if you're just kind to other people and if people have to be ordered to do something, they will do exactly what they are told and not one inch more. Whereas if they are appreciated and if their extra efforts are rewarded, even just verbally, then they will stay late. They will come in on a Saturday. They will make the extra effort to make sure things are really done rather than just the bare minimum. Okay. The project's done. It may not be done well, but you wanted it done here. It's done. Yeah. When it's done authentically, it works. But I know there are those who may be uh, know, savvy and they know this kind of thing. And then the, the employees at some point get it. And they say, well, that's just psychic income. He knows if he tells me, oh, you're great, you're this and that, you know, I won't get my raise again this year because, you know, well, he, he appreciates me, you know, right. he appreciates me. It has we, to be done. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We, we call it a, a having a good BS detector. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> most, most people know when their bosses are slinging them a line of BS just in order to make the employee feel as if they're evaluated, uh, valued and appreciated. Uh, you're absolutely right. It, it, you have to be, as a manager and a boss, when you're acknowledging others for their contributions, it has to be sincere. It has to be genuine. And it has to come across as if you really mean it. Because if you don't, they can sense it immediately, and so can everybody else. I think that's perhaps one of the few things in life that you can't fake it till you make it. That's right. You that's know, right. yeah. Looking for diamonds in in the rough. It's yeah. it's it's very easy for a boss to say, "Hey, you screwed up here. You made a mistake here, and so on and so forth." But it's also equally easy to say, "Hey, you did a good job here." 
And what you just did really contributed to our success as a team or as a, as a company. That's equally as important as identifying the problems and mistakes that your employees make. Yeah, I think it goes hand in hand with respect, and it probably is right in the center of it, is valuing the employee. All of us want validation. Yes, all of us want to be acknowledged and valued for what we bring to the table. Either it's our expertise or our knowledge and experience or even the way we treat other people. Sometimes you and I will uh, really appreciate working with someone who might not necessarily have a lot of experience doing what they're doing, but they treat us with such courtesy and respect and a willingness to learn we are actually willing to overlook their lack of experience. Absolutely. Yeah, and it works. Your book is about, again, the workplace, but, it, it you know, it just goes through all of life. I, I always bring up my family, but it's true. My, my dad was a good man, but he wasn't a, a complimentary man. And once in a while, my mom would say, you think you, it would break your heart once in a while to say, honey, that was delicious, or thank you for making dinner. And my dad was one of those people who says, You'll know when I don't like it. Otherwise, just, just <laughs> assume I liked it, you know? <laughs> just assume I loved it if I don't say anything bad about it. <laughs> there are a lot of old school families, though. That was the wife's job. It was her expectation. Like we said, yeah. a boss not thanking an employee, well, that's his job. Why wouldn't he do what he was told? You know, a wife's job is to put a good dinner on the table. So the only time you should mention it is when she failed. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you want to be motivated day after day if nobody's ever going to say anything nice. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Nice about it, and I, I would suspect the quality of meals goes down after a while if nobody <laughs> bothers know. to say, you know, that was good or that was, you know. Well, I think he got Jello for dessert for a month after that. <laughs> <laughs> that was about it. I just I had to laugh to myself because I thought of my, one of my aunts, my aunt Dolly, who was we we would she was the body once, so sort of like uh, Canterbury Tales. But she once said to me, "She's my husband complains all day long. He tells me I have a fat ass. I have this and that. Then at night he, he wants to make love to that same fat ass." She said, <laughs> she says, no way, Jose. <laughs> I get it, Aunt Dolly. I get it. Well, guys, we're going to take a little break here, and uh, we're going to hear a song that has a little bit, at least, to do with our subject. It's going to be Tina Turner, and she's singing Show Some Respect, and we'll be back in about four minutes. Ladies and gentlemen.
Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to grab a copy of my book. At the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. Help has arrived. Ever felt you were at the end of your rope? In my book, you will surely find a new supply. It's filled with humor and down-to-earth life strategies, processes that will stir your inner workings and inspire you to choose a better way of being in the world. You deserve to be happy. Just go to Amazon.com and enter my name, Camille Sanzone, or the title of my book, Your Troubles Will Self-Destruct, in five chapters. T-G-I-W. That's right. Thank God it's Wednesday. Stay right where you are. Tune in to W4WN. Tie a knot and hang on. Help has arrived with your host, Camille Sanzone. She's about to begin. You just sit right there and wait for her. Prepare to be entertained, inspired, and yes, occasionally a little bit awed. And we're back. But before we get back to the topic for today, I wanted to make a confession. I've recently acquired an addiction. It's Kim's Cinnamon Cashew Brittle. Uh-huh, that's what I said. If you like brittle, if you like cashews, you will love this brittle. Just the right hint of cinnamon. Now, although the Surgeon General has not yet issued a warning, this outrageously delicious brittle may truly be addictive. I took half a bag to the movies with me a couple of weekends ago. <laughs> Sad to say, and happily, uh, it was gone before the movies even started. <laughs> but for more information, get onto uh, Facebook. And then search for Kim's page. Just enter Kim's Cinnamon, and that's two N's in the front, Cashew Brittle. Send Kim a message, and she'll tell you how you can get your hands on some of her brilliant brittle. Okay, gentlemen, we're back talking about respect. And uh, you mentioned it earlier, one of you did, or both of you, that you know often we learn these things as children about respect. But how many parents reinforce that? You know, those teachable moments? Exactly. And um, I, I remember years ago, I was teaching a traffic school class, and I had a man in class say that he was driving one day, and somebody cut him off, and his eight-year-old son screamed an obscenity out the window at the other driver. And he said as soon as he could safely pull over on a you know, side street, he did, and said – and the kid was like, Dad, I know that I, I shouldn't have said that. And the father said, no, that's all on me. That was all me. I am apologizing to you, not the other way around, because I know where you learned that. Mm. And he said, I, I, if that's what you're learning from me, then, then I need to change the way I'm driving. I need the way I change the way I'm being around you. And so, you know, we all know that that old parenting thing of do as I say, not as I do does not work. So even though this guy, you know, thought he was trying to instill proper values in his son, what his son was learning was if somebody cuts you off, you roll down the window and scream an obscenity, <laughs> um, which, you know, aside from any, you know, social bad manners, these days that could get you killed. And so, yes, it's it's we should have learned this as children, but then we have it constantly reinforced by bad parents, bad coaches, bad teachers, bad bosses, that it's OK to be disrespectful. And I know, you know, when I was on your show years ago, Camille, talking about bullying, one thing that people have found is that bullies tend to get ahead in the short term. If I demand what I want from Greg right this minute, he may do it just to get me off his back. But that's not a long term solution. And in the long run, bullies do not profit in the workplace or in life because people get real tired of that real soon. Yeah, I've I've mentioned before, and I played it on the air. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Uh, the song from South Pacific, "You've Got to Be Taref- Carefully Taught." Mm-hmm. I was yeah. just listening to it the other night. Funnily enough, I just had this weird urge to listen to the South Pacific soundtrack. And yeah, yes, well, <laughs> that song is so ahead of its time, and that movie is so ahead of its time in terms of wanting to teach about racism. Yeah. And I, I find it kind of ironic, considering the, you know the racism versus the Japanese during World War II, that here is this, you know, movie about racism. Yeah. Yeah. For people who are not familiar with that, uh, look it up on YouTube. You've got to be carefully taught, which basically is saying children don't come into the world with prejudices. So you've got to be carefully taught before they're six or seven or eight to hate all the people their relatives hate. 
and they're pointing that out. And of course, what we're hoping is they're going to, to learn good things. So remember, as you said, it's not what you tell them. And that's what my grandpa said, you know, it's not what I do, it's what I say. Uh, people children especially learn from the modeling they learn from what you do and and praise that father who recognized it and took ownership and said no i apologize to you son because you're you're mimicking me that i shouldn't have done that and that how beautiful if if parents would do that if if trump would know how to apologize and as you said even in business how you apologize tell us what a good apology is well uh, a good apology generally has uh, a number of steps to it but the uh, primary th- things that you need to do is, first and foremost, you need to own it. You need to say, I just did something wrong. And you need to describe what you did wrong and how it hurt the other person. You have to show empathy and say, I completely understand how what I did was hurtful to you. Then you cannot make any excuses. The moment you make an excuse like, well, I said that because I was angry, bang, you're done. No one's going to buy it as an apology. And you certainly can't try to weasel out of it and say, well, I was angry. I said that because you pissed me off or because other people did this, that, and the other thing. No, you're a human being who needs to take responsibility for what you did. And then you need to try to offer to make it right. It's not enough to just say, I'm not going to do this ever again, which hopefully you won't. But you also have to say, I'd like to make it up to you. And you need to offer concrete ways you're going to make it up to the other person. If you do those things and you actually engage in trying to make it up, it's likely over time they will forgive you and you will win back their respect. Not the easiest thing to do, but if a full apology requires those kind of committed things to say and do. Yeah. You know, we are taught so many things, and often in school you know, well, I'll never really use geometry or algebra. And the important things that children need to learn, and and so many parents are objecting to, because I, although I'll teach them at home, sadly a lot of parents don't teach. They don't. They she don't. Knows- you and I, I grew up on Long Island in Nassau County. You, you did as well? Yes, I did. Brooklyn okay. till I was seven, and then Levittown, Long Island. <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah. you know what? I grew up with a very large Jewish community on the North Shore, uh, also Italian community. I was frequently in the city. Uh, you know, And what I saw and what I experienced as a child was all these different groups jockeying for power and position. And they weren't doing it very subtly. It was pretty in your face. And I saw families uh, jockeying for power and position with each other. I mean, all my my Jewish friends, the 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 amount of uh, how how shall I put it? Just the the open kind of warfare and, yeah. and it was it was almost like a show. You know, I'm kind of an up top uptight wasp guy. You know, and. and <laughs> My Italian and Jewish friends, the, the decibel level was always much louder in their homes. I know my, my neighbors next door, the, the girls there would always say to me, wow, you had company. They were having a big fight yesterday. <laughs> I said, no, they were probably asking to have the sauce passed across the table. <laughs> 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 That's just my family. I mean, we're loud. I said I was. I took to public speaking because you had to be a public speaker to be heard. <laughs> you know there. But you know, again, who who do you lead? People who are listening to the show today, we're all leaders by at least by example, as we've been talking about. If you have children, even if you don't have your own, you have nieces and nephews. You know, I have two grown nephews, uh, and then I have uh, three great nephews. And I've often said, you know, I want to be uh, an example that they can look up to. I don't want to be a warning. You know, <laughs> what what life can do to you you know so i'm 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 aware of that and more of us need to do that and say well who's and of course if you do it when no one's watching even better and greg and i have talked about this uh, a lot and you know you said being a leader as a parent or whatever it's easy to be a leader as a boss cuz you're in that position but 
this practicing regular respect, you can be a leader even in a line at the coffee shop where you say please and thank you and are nice to the barista who is having a bad day. And, you know, there's been numerous studies about how contagious that is, that the person in, behind you in line, instead of coming up and being demanding and rude and nasty, also now feels somewhat obligated to be a little nicer. So it, it's one thing that you can just spread anywhere, whether to the you know clerk at the grocery store or whatever. I, um, you know, I've gone on dates with people and never wanted a second date with them because of the way they treated the, the busboy at the, the restaurant. Like, oh, get this place gosh. out of here. You know, yeah. that, those kinds of things. It's like, that doesn't impress me that you would put down anyone who's trying to make a living here. It's so, it's so true. Um, my tagline is always, kindness is contagious, spread it around. And I will do that any chance I get. And sometimes it's fun to look for the opportunity to do that. You know, so many of us are so quick to look to see what's wrong, what we can fix. You know, catch somebody caring. Uh, I'm at, online at, at Publix and this poor cashier is having one problem after another with this customer and the next customer. And I was like the third online. And by the time I got there, I just looked at her and I said, wow, you have a lot of patience. They were kind of difficult. And her face just softened, you know. And then finally she smiled and I I complimented her smile, which was easy to do because it was a beautiful smile. And I got goosebumps. I think she got goosebumps. And it was just such a little thing, just such a little thing. But she knew in that moment somebody saw her value. There's actually some brain science behind that. When you treat someone respectfully and acknowledge them genuinely, they actually experience a slight uptick in their dopamine levels as a result. And when they have that uptick, you actually can sense it as well. And your your brain will respond with giving you an uptick of dopamine. Yeah. It's fascinating how powerful that little hit of dopamine can be. It is. And so many of us just ignore it. My, my mom used to say, why can't you be normal? <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> May she rest in pizza, wherever she is. Uh, we'd be sitting in a restaurant, just the two of us, and the waitress would come up and take the order. And I would start chatting her because, you know, wait people are, are often the most abused workers because they're servers, you know, they're supposed to just take orders, you know. And I, if I especially saw they were having a difficult time, it was a busy night, and I'd engage them in just a little light conversation, you know, is it a rough night, or compliment something or other. And when she'd walk away, my mom would say, do you know her? <laughs> you know, and I'd say, well, not yet. <laughs> but it's so true, it just takes a little something, and that, that shot of dopamine, as you said, or endorphin, uh, especially when you use humor, you know, at work. That's a good, a good. I think that's a, a good thing for leadership. After reading your your book, I was looking for words to put with it too, and mindfulness goes right along with it. Compassion, yeah. you know, compassionate leadership, empathy, as you said, when you apologize, let people know you really got why they were upset. Acceptance and awareness, and I talked about valuing and validation, um, and it's respecting yourself, and that's a. Pr- problem too with some leaders they don't they really don't think they're even worthy of the position of ceo right in your book this guy is new there's a new position a company that's failing and he's supposed to get it you know back up again and he's being disrespectful and he thinks by commanding is how he's going to get the job done that's right and it backfires terribly to the point of of one of his best people quits right in the middle of the process so Uh, for, he's really fortunate, as you said, to have met this woman, Grace, who be, sort of became his guardian angel and really saved his butt by by confronting him about his own disrespect. People often say to me, well, Greg, you just want people to be nice. And I say, no, that, that's not it. And sometimes nice guys really do finish last. But you need to be respectful. You can be direct with someone about their behavior and do it in a respectful way to the point where they'll actually listen to you and understand how they went wrong. And that's the key for, for this character of Grace. She's a former Navy aircraft mechanic. She is one tough nut, and she doesn't brook disrespect from anybody. And she gets right up in the CEO's face and say, dude, you, you're just being disrespectful. It doesn't work. 
you've got to try respect and see how that will result in a much better outcome. Yeah. So, you know, you don't have to be nice and and yet you can still be respectful. And I, I think that's a key dis- distinctive difference between just being nice, because a lot of leaders just want to be liked. So yeah. they think I'll just be nice. Well, sometimes being nice is a big mistake. Sometimes you have to be direct, but you can do that respectfully. And when yeah. Greg and I talked about where the, the you know, our CEO should get that message from, we, we wanted it to come from the bottom, so to speak, because so many people, as we said, treat busboys or the janitor or whoever with such disrespect. And we wanted it to be clear that you should and can respect anybody regardless of what rank they are wearing at that moment. You still – they are entitled as a human being to respect. And Grace makes it clear that she it would rather leave the company than be disrespected even by the CEO. Yeah. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, um, I wanted to tell my audience about the uh, exit song I'm going to play today. But first, I wanted to thank you for being here. And I want to encourage uh, my listeners to pick up a copy of your book, The Respectful Leader, Seven Ways to Influence Without Intimidation. And that's by Greg Ward and with Walter G. Meyer. Uh, I hope you'll stick on the line there. I'd like you to listen to this song. Okay. Happy Uh, to. Thank you so much. Thank you. Sure. Now, this I saw this on YouTube. It was a video put up by someone named Chinta Garrett uh, six months ago. Uh, but it doesn't really say who, who did the singing. It's uh, it called The Servant Leader, and it's about authenticity, honor, connection, uh, about be who you say you are, honor your potential and the potential of others. When we get too caught up in the busyness of the world, we lose connection with other people and even and even ourselves. You've been listening to Camille Sanzone on Tie a Knot and Hang On. I hope you've enjoyed our time together. Again, my exit song is Servant Leadership. And remember, kindness is contagious. Spread it around. Got a package full of wishes A time machine A magic wand, a globe made out of gold No instructions or commandments Laws of gravity or indecisions to uphold Printed on the box I see Acmes build a world to be Take a chance, grab a piece Starts now.